Meditate, a verb. To think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time in silence or with the aid of chanting for religious or spiritual purposes or as a method of relaxation. To think deeply or carefully about something. To contemplate, think, consider, ponder, muse, reflect, and pray. Mindfulness, meditation, yoga. If any of those words make your skin crawl or just make you feel a bit uncomfortable, then this episode is especially for you. It's going to be a good one. Check it out. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode three of The Reckless Pursuit. We have a very interesting topic today, in our opinion. Uh, And I guess it's kind of along the lines of New Age Christianity. And I know that can seem kind of like an oxymoron to a lot of people uh, because, you know, New Age is often associated with uh, things like global unity, where all religions can make it to heaven and things like that. It's also pretty commonly associated with more widely accepted practices like yoga and mindfulness and meditation and things like that. So we're going to kind of dive into what the Bible has to say a little bit about New Age Christianity and what New Age Christianity would be and I guess a Christian's point of view on some of these terms. Uh, But before we get into any of that, I want to give a quick shout out to today's show sponsor, Cedar Temple Trade Company. They're a Christian apparel and home good line uh, that have a, a sole purpose of trying to re-inspire people to go and read the Word of God and see what it has to truly say. They have a really awesome offer code for all of you guys for a discount from their merch, so be sure to hang around after the episode and get that. But with that being said, let's just dive right into today's episode. So, Elaine, while we were sitting at lunch today brought up a really interesting point about, go ahead and share your point that you brought up at lunch today about how uh, a lot of Christians kind of say, well, like this is, this sounds new agey, but, or whatever. Well, basically I think it's annoying. (laughs) I, the reason why I think it's annoying is like, I understand what people, like people are trying to portray and like explain of like what they mean. But every time I hear it, it just really irks me because I'm just like, you know, I don't really know what new age means. Like, I feel like that's just an aspect of God and meditation and mindfulness. Like, I think that goes hand in hand. Jesus meditated. There's meditation in the Bible. And so when people are like, I don't want to sound new agey, or I don't want to sound religious, or I don't want to sound spiritual, I'm just like, no, sound spiritual, because that's like that's what God is, you know? Interesting thing, really, uh, New Age is actually a belief of, of its own, and I don't know if people necessarily like realize that. It's a really popular term now. New Age is a genre of music. Uh, I write music. Some of my music is probably considered New Agey in, in a way, you know? Even our intro, if it would be put on uh, iTunes, it would probably, if it was just the instrumental, it would probably be considered New Age instrumental. Like Gunger. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, there's a lot of controversy in the Christian community surrounding anyone who claims anything New Age, and I understand that because of the the actual association with the or I guess religious um, unity in that that all religions can go to heaven and things like that. And there's just a lot involved in the New Age belief. But I guess going a little bit deeper deeper than that, Elaine, what you're saying is you're talking about anytime someone uses the term religious. Or mm-hmm. new age, or like I don't explaining, want to sound too, too modern or anything well, like that. Like explaining like stuff that's going on in their life or what God is showing them. And in our culture, people are ostracized for being religious. And um, people want to explain what God is doing in their life without sounding weird and like, I don't know, just ghostly, I guess. Well, okay. And so, and just grabbing with that and running with it. Uh, kind of just diving right into this whole big pool of conversation. So I think there's an issue that millennials have, and that's another whole other buzzword right there. I said the word millennials. millennial. Yeah, we're millennials. We get it. Um, you Young know, people. I'm 24, and Elaine is l- 22. Is lesser numbers than I am. And uh, yeah, millennials have issues with a lot of current buzzwords that go around church, things like religion and spiritual spiritual and stuff like that. I think a lot of people are scared of coming across that way because a lot of times we associate religion, that word religion. When a lot of millennials think of the word religious, uh, the first thing that comes to their mind is Bible bashers and... Bible something. Yeah, basically... Uh, condemnation and judgmental yeah ab- absolutely judgment and just this constant barrage of attack on their personality and and they feel that they were created a way to you know a certain way to be and religion is trying to conform them into this you know pigeonhole cookie cutter you know societal creature and they hate it you know i'm not gonna lie it's a very scary like from a millennial standpoint we want to be heard we want to be you know maybe not necessarily like for selfish gain, but we want to be heard. We want to feel like our voice matters. And, and, you know, honestly it does just as much as everyone else's, but it's just this, uh, this world we live in where anyone can pretty much throw out any opinion, just like we're doing right now. And everyone has a voice. And so you lose the ability to hear, I guess it's kind of like standing in a crowded room, screaming at the top of your lungs, uh, to be noticed and everyone else in the room is doing the exact same thing. And so to get your point across or to be heard or to be noticed is just like this desire millennials have. And I think religion, that term, uh, has stifled that in the past. It turns people away. Yeah. And people are scared of being hurt. People are scared of being, uh, rejected. And so, uh, let me just kind of dive into a little bit about, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of, of my history, and I'm going to say a little bit of what brought this conversation up and how we got into this in the first place. So without going too heavy into details, um, I have an interesting relationship with some of my family, uh, specifically my mom. And my mom has struggled with some things in her life, and I've tried to be there for her. And this week's just been a hard week. You know, it's been a hard week. For, for the family. It's been a hard week for me. <sighs> and there was just a lot of drama associated with some stuff that, that happened with her. And it was just, it, it was an emotional, like, 
I was just a wreck last night. I'm just going to be really, really, really honest. I was a wreck. And so I went, it was late, late, late when I got, whenever Elaine and I got in. About midnight. Yeah. And so I went and just sat in the shower with the water pouring all over me and relaxed. And I just, I was having the hardest time focusing. And okay, I love meditation. And we're going to get into this here in a minute. Uh, But I love meditation. Um, I've always loved studying, uh, not necessarily Buddhism, but the teachings of the Buddha. And the reason for that being is he, as a man, understanding that he was indeed a man and not divinity reincarnate or anything along those lines that Buddhism says he is, uh, he openly declared, I am a man, do not worship me, things like that. And so, you know, I can, I guess I I can respect him for that. But he did actively teach uh, practices on letting go, letting go of drama and and guilt and shame and neglect and letting go of fears and, or I guess to come to a place where you're able to just, uh, to be, I, I love the phrase. This is my tagline on my blog. Life is to be not to become like we were created. We are pre, uh, destined and instilled with a, a calling and a gift and a passion. And no matter what we think we can become, we're never truly going to escape what we were called to be, like who we were, who we're created to be. And I think the Buddha, you know, in his way, in a lot of ways, his teachings parallel Jesus in uh, love and fellowship and getting alone and, and contemplating. And so, but all that to say, I, I uh, got out of the shower, wasn't able to focus too well. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to go down into my office. Uh, and if you saw our Facebook live video, uh, that's where where we do our recording and stuff. And there's a, a, a black futon in here. And I kind of just sat here in my underwear with some... Yes, Snicker. Uh, with some New Age music playing because... What New Age music was this? I don't know. Some meditation <laughs> playlist. I don't, I don't have my phone in here because weather alerts were going off. I didn't want them to interrupt us. I write music like this too, so I, I really love instrumental stuff. It's what we listen to the entire time of our honeymoon. Yeah, we listen to the spa <laughs> channel in Colorado literally for thirteen hours straight. When we left here at two, it was like two a.m. We mm-hmm. left here driving to Colorado for our honeymoon in December, and we listened to the spa channel on XM Radio the entire way. And so it was great. We loved it. I know a lot of people would probably get drove nuts by it, but we listened very to soothing. it. Very soothing. Yeah, we listened to it in the dark, and it was amazing because it kept me awake. It was like I got tapped into this awareness. Yeah, this like <laughs> awareness of my surroundings, and I just zoned into the road and the traffic, and I was I was captivated by the by the drone melodies that it produced and everything, and the harmonies and all that. So anyway, I said I came down in here and uh, chilled on the futon and assumed a cross or excuse me what would it be it's a half lotus position if you're interested which is basically like indian position but you put one leg on top of your knee and i know that sounds super fancy and like nerdy as crap but yeah super spiritual you know uh but it's really not it's basically because my ankles fall asleep sitting indian position so this gets the pressure off of my calves and my ankles, and it really helps me to be able to sit there for a long time because meditation, at least in sitting meditation, and I can nerd out on meditation, the different types of walking, 
uh, focus meditation, clearing meditation, you know, all the different types. And I'm, I know I'm butchering the name. So some meditation guru is probably going to get on here and chew me out for that. Cause I'm not that big of a, I'm not, I'm not a yogi and I'm not uh, a, a guru in this at all. I just have practiced meditation for quite a few years, maybe five years off and on. And it's done a lot for me in life. So that was a big rabbit trail, but, uh, I came and I sat on the futon and I just got alone with God. And I was thinking about the evening and I was doing my best to just let all the thoughts, I wasn't trying to stop them, I was just letting them filter through and just drain. I just kind of pictured them draining from my mind, just kind of out through my limbs and just dissipating. Man, that sounds new agey. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of like, a noodle strainer. <laughs> Noodles. That's I was out of my, my mind. brain was a strainer, <laughs> or I guess my brain was the noodles, and and life was the strainer. It's deep philosophical <laughs> crap right there. That's a free one. We're not even gonna charge you for it. We should tweet that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just picturing all of the 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 thoughts as they came to me, just filtering out, and all the drama that had taken place throughout the day. And I had two thoughts come to my mind. And the two thoughts were, uh, one was just, I was thinking, you know, about rabbi. And I was just thinking, you know, teacher, you know, rabbi, teach me. Teach me your ways. Help me to walk humbly in you. And the other weird one, and this is where the whole new agey thing comes into play. I began to pray to God, my mother. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Ooh, spooky. Uh. You know, you hear of God as Father so much throughout the Bible because he is the protector and assuming the traditional role of a family. The the husband is the the protector and the breadwinner of the family. And I understand in modern culture, you know, breadwinner is pretty much a shared role now because of the financials. Of, it is with us, basically. Yeah, no joke. I mean, because <laughs> we run everything together. Yeah. So, um but traditionally, you know, they were the provider, they were the the hunter, they were the the ones who would um, tend to the family's affairs, and the woman was the nurturer, and the one who would tend to the internals of the house while the husband tended to the externals, you know, and uh, God in that sense, I've never been able to understand, you know, the the... God, you know, God, Father, I guess, type of role. I've never, I guess, let me say, I've never had a hard time understanding that because I have a great relationship with my father. Um, and I honestly, I do have a good relationship with my mom. There's just some choices that she's made that, that strain that. And I love her through it, but there are times that I have to, you know, distance myself. And, you know, Elaine has, you know, I guess the opposite spectrum in some ways from when she was a child. And and so it's an interesting balance in the way God played out our lives together. And that's a story for another time, possibly. But in this, I just, I begin to pray. And I really, I had to, I kind of stopped myself for a second because I don't know if you've ever meditated. One of the big things is you're trying to not move. And it takes a long time to get over moving. Moving is such a natural thing. You want to fidget. And it's amazing how pissed off your body gets Whenever you don't allow it to move. Elaine hates meditating. Elaine, give me your insight on meditating real quick. It's hard. <laughs> I think I've only truly meditated once. Okay. Um, I can't sit still. 
I'm not really like a fidgeter, but if I'm like forced to sit still, I can't. Like I have to be popping my knuckles or something like the playing with my hair. Um, I can't quiet my thoughts. I just like one thought leads to another. And yeah, like it's just hard for me to fo- like it's not hard for me to focus, but it's hard me hard for me to just like let thoughts come and go and not like try to stop. Go, yeah, not trying to stop thinking about one thing, but really thinking about, you know, like or just not trying to think. Like, you know, that's my what you're doing right now basically. Yeah. And so that's kind of my interpretation is for me, it's just trying not to think and trying not to get upset about things and just being still in the moment. Yeah. And so uh, it's it's hard. It's really difficult. If you ever practice meditation or you may be like super scared of that kind of stuff. Uh, and that, that's okay. You know, maybe I can change your mind on this. Um, it's not of the devil, I promise. He's not going to come crawling out from your bed if you start meditating. Jesus uh, did it. It's going to be quite the opposite. Um, yeah, he's going to be running, running for his life if you start meditating. And we'll get to that. Uh, so the hardest thing, of course, is just being still. The body rebels when you're trying to be still. And it, it just wants to fight. And so you start getting these little tingles and itches across your body. And you start twitching. And it's like, oh, my back hurts. My my leg itches. My foot's twitching. My toes are curling. But is that part know. of it, just becoming aware of your body and your senses? I think it's quite the opposite because... Uh, all of your senses are trying to take over and I guess like flesh, if you want to kind of put it in a, a, a Christian perspective, the fleshly side of you wants to take over. It wants to be in control, something terrible. Uh, the body is desperate to to hold the reins to your mind and act uh, out of, I guess, like the, the sensual desires and everything like that. And so your body, it's almost like trigger impulses of like your body trying to snap you out of this mode of focusing on something greater and internal because I feel like our body, since like sin kind of was introduced into humanity, we started taking an outward gaze because looking in is scary. It's a very scary thing, you know, when uh, Jesus went alone in the garden to pray and he sweat blood. You think about that. That's an actual, and I don't have it uh, pulled up. It's an actual scientific condition. Like that condition. can actually happen. Yeah, people have done that. Other than Jesus, Jesus ain't the only one, guys. Uh, like biologically, like that literally like is possible. Yes, and it's it's induced by extreme, unrelenting stress, and your body literally ejects blood from your pores instead of. Uh, the saline, you know, salty, nasty, smelly crap that we normally put off. And so if you think about it, sweat is normally to cool your body whenever your physical body is stressed. Well, sweating blood, in a sense, is basically a mental stimulus that's maximized to the point of your body uh, rejecting itself. It's it's really intense, you know, the way it works. And so when you think about that, um, yeah, meditation, your body wants to be in control. And so I was sitting here meditating. And like I said, I had to stop myself from thinking about this because once I got over the jitters and everything and like I just kind of heard the music and it was soothing. I was getting to the rhythm of things. And uh, 
it was kind of like, you know, reality was just kind of dropping out around me. Uh, I'm not going to like start saying I had an out of body experience necessarily, but it was, it was awesome because all the senses start shutting off and you're able to kind of stare at yourself. You know, it reminds me of, uh, first Corinthians 13 when it says, uh, you see, but a poor reflection in a mirror, then you will see face to face. I feel like meditation is as close to seeing face to face. If you're doing it the right way, if you're focusing on, on Christ, you can kind of like stare into his eyes and kind of, it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever seen a photo where someone took a picture of someone's eyes and you can see the photo, the photographer in their, in their eyes. To me, meditation is getting eye to eye with Christ and for like for once actually being able to see my own reflection and in the truest sense from like the truest filter possible. And it was crazy because I just began to thank God for being my mother. That he could be a mom-like figure to me. And like I said, I almost had to... um, It almost kind of messed with me a little bit. I had to kind of snap myself out of it for a second and say like, oh, I shouldn't be saying that. That's against the Bible. God is your father. He's not your mommy. You know, and it was like, wait, 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 wait. Let's th- let's back this up for a second. Let's think, uh, you know, a father figure, and this isn't like, this isn't a sexist comment, but men carry an X and a Y chromosome. And, you know, women typically just carry an X and an X. And I think it's a, a very interesting realization whenever you think about on a biological level calling uh you know god your father could in a way be representation of of god as a whole you know being uh he's he's a spirit he's not just a a man or a woman he can be whatever the situation allows and i'm sure elaine you've heard this before like jesus can be your boyfriend i hate that that's so annoying. <laughs> or Jesus can be your girlfriend or whatever. And date Jesus. Yeah, date Jesus. Save yourself for Jesus and all this stuff. And it's always annoyed me too because it's such a cliche thing said in church, like youth groups and stuff to desperate teenagers who just have a lot of uh, hormones and trying to get through that. And I guess it's it's a good attempt but the church, the moment you start saying, well, I'm praying to my mother, God, like, they're going to be like, um, okay, like, you know, take you in the back room, talk you over, ask you where your heart is, all that crap. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to read real quick. Uh, I have a couple highlights here. John 4, 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so there is just giving God sex. We refer to him as father. But in reality, God is a omnipresent, omniscient, uh, omnipotent being who is everywhere, who knows everything, and is all of the time. Yeah, He's literally everything all the time. Period, and He's not just a man or just a woman. You know, God isn't defined by genitalia. I guess would be a good way of putting it. You know, He created man in his image. And so people are like, well, yeah, God's a man, but then he created woman out of man. And if you think about it, taking one of men's chromosomes and creating woman by duplicating it, thus forth, reinforcing a certain aspect of that. So 
And that can go into the whole other topic of masculinity and what is masculine and what is feminine and things like that. But anyway about it, in this moment, I was able to pray to God as my mother. And I felt like it clicked in me and just did such a healing for me because I could imagine uh, the image of, you know, just a child laying uh, their head on the chest of their mother looking for comfort. And in that moment, that was me. And I'm not saying I envisioned God as a man or woman, but in that moment, I realized God is what I need him to be in the moment. He's so much more capable than the box that we put him in. So all that to say, I know that probably sounds like super new agey. Cue the sound effect, Elaine. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so super new agey. Spiritual. Super spiritual. Uh, probably not real religious. It's probably quite the opposite from religious. Um, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read a little bit about meditation. So meditation, the actual uh, meaning, it's a verb, it's an action, something you do. Um, and it means thinking deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time in silence or with an aid of chanting for religious or spiritual purposes as a method of relaxation. It also means to think deeply or carefully about something, to contemplate, think, consider, ponder, Muse, reflect, deliberate, ruminate, to brood. It means to pray. So I guess so, technically I meditate all the time then. Yeah, I mean, meditation is your average thought. Uh, plan mentally and consider. So meditation is a lot of things. But I think the idea right here, focus one's mind for a period of time in silence or with the aid of chanting for religious or spiritual purposes. And so it, you had mentioned earlier, Elaine, about chakras and things like that and about religions. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about what you were saying there. You were talking about how um, a lot of religions tap into to certain things. Well, just like self-awareness and just your mental capacity and just being alone with your thoughts, understanding yourself and living your best life now and being the best version of yourself and stuff and have you ever read Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now? I have not. Every time you say that phrase, that's what, me think, what it makes me think about. It makes my skin crawl. <laughs> no offense to Joel Osteen. I know you haven't read that book, but still, that's what I think about every single time you say that. Well, I mean, like, it's true, though. You know, you are trying to live your best life now, you know? Yeah. And, true. like, just tapping into that. And I think, you know, something that we have talked about in the past is just, like, most most religions have somehow tapped into some aspect of God. And I think like chakra, knowing thyself, that goes into meditation and knowing like who you are in Christ and focusing on him in prayer and, you know, and even fasting is a form of meditation. And Absolutely. Stuff. So I'm going to read this real quick. Uh, I have a few Bible verses. Actually, it's four Bible verses. Psalm 77, 12. Psalms is full of meditation. Bible verses, by the way. Uh, Psalm 77, 12, I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Psalm 119, 15 through 16, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Psalm 63, verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. I love that. It's so that great. That reminds me of falling up. It's literally as you're sitting there at night, lying in bed, 
as you're going to sleep, you calm your mind in the in the in the watch of the night. See, I feel like I do that every night. Exactly, and that's a form of meditation. That is the epitome of of mindfulness in a sense of taking a moment to meditate on what makes you. And as a Christian, um, I think it's interesting because to meditate on Christ is to meditate on oneself because we're a reflection of him. And so it's kind of like I was saying just a second ago is when I meditate, I feel like I can stare into the eyes of Christ. And by uh, staring into the eyes of Christ, I see a truer representation of myself than I've ever seen because he's the purest possible lens I could ever look through. When it's like you said, or the Bible says, like we're made out of God's image. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we're made in his image. We're formed from his breath, from the earth he created to the to the breath of his lungs. We are created in his image. Uh, Psalm 1, or Psalms 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff, and the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So I, I like that, how it says, uh, and on his law, being the Lord's law, God's law, he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. You know, uh, I was reading an article, and I'm not going to necessarily say where or who or what said this, but it was talking about um, New Age Christianity. Uh, and it was talking about how yoga and meditation of the attack of the enemy that have crept in and how all these churches are doing yoga retreats and holy now. yoga holy yoga and how the lie of the enemy has deceived us into into uh necromancy and sorcery and i feel like that's too religious like that's being quote like i don't want to be religious like i feel like that's that's religion that's the yeah. epitome of religion that's outside of uh being a follower of Christ and into the land of Cuckooville, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, just being really honest. Like that's, there's nothing wrong with meditation or yoga. Like meditation is heavily practiced throughout the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've just read, uh, four chapters in a, you know, in four verses or more, more than four verses. Let's see. One, two, three, four, uh, 10 verses about meditation basically. And, if you look at the, he is a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season. You were talking earlier about how I was listening to creek music. Mm -hmm. If you think about yoga, what comes to your mind, all those things, it's pretty similar to this right here. Meditating day and night, a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. All that he does, he prospers. I mean, that's literally the practition of meditation and mindfulness and things along those lines. That's that's the literal definition of it. I don't think you can get any clearer than that. And uh, so for everyone who here who would want to uh, fight that, I looked up um, the Greek meaning of the word meditate in these verses, and it's Hagah. And if you want to find that in Strong's Concordance, it's H1901 for all of you Bible 
thumpers out there. Uh, and it says, to Im- uh, by implica- uh, implication, to ponder, imagine, meditate, mourn, mutter, roar, soar, speak, study, talk, and utter. So, going back up here to the definition of to meditate, it means to deeply or focus on a mi- on one's mind for a period of time in silence or with the aid of chanting for religious or spiritual purposes. Going back down here to what we just saw from the, the Hebrew interpretation, Hagah, uh, let's see here. To meditate, to mutter, to soar, to speak, to study, to talk, and to utter. So, a chanting meditation, chakra, things like that are biblical. It's in the Bible. It's interpreted throughout the Bible. King David, the dude we all look up to, despite his errors and his uh, lusting problems that he had, uh, we look up to this guy as being a foundation for the coming of the Christ. And this man meditated. Okay, when he went out like slinging shots at bears and slaying giants and like gawking at Bathsheba, (laughs) he was meditating. And I bet in every one of those situations, he took time to meditate. Maybe not the Bathsheba one. I don't think he med- no. meditated on the Bathsheba one. I think it was pretty the absent that's of that. That's what happens when you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you don't take time to meditate and think on one's thoughts. But I think that he uh, he meditated before he walked in. I mean, it's, it talks about in, and like I said, I don't have the Bible pulled up here right with me. I could probably find it pretty quick. But it talks about in... Um, in there where he he went to Christ and basically said, like, you know, these Philistines are mocking us as a nation and I have to do something about this. And so then he goes into battle against Goliath. And so he premeditated the outcome and he was confident in that when he walked into it. And so, yes, meditation is Christian. It's not New Age. Yoga is Christian. It can be Christian. It's not just New Agey. In New Age of itself has aspects of Christianity. Because going back to what Elaine was saying, this is an active conversation. Elaine, chime in here, anytime here that you want to throw something out here with this. But I truly believe every religion has an aspect of God in their grasp. And I know that sounds crazy. It may sound wild out there, whatever. That's fine. I'm talking with my hands over here because I'm so passionate. You can't even see that. But I just, I believe that every religion, I don't think something's capable of becoming a religion without having an aspect of God in their grasp. But I'm not talking about just any little demigod. I'm talking about the big uh, capital G God. Because if you think about all religions in some way, I'm not saying they're all right. I'm not saying they're all correct in all their teachings. But let's be honest, what we actively teach in Christianity isn't 100% either. There are areas of Christianity where we miss it. There are areas where people have taught in the name of Christ, but have torn people to pieces. There's been persecution in the name of Christ. There's been terrible things done. And if you look, Jesus himself was killed in the name of God. The, God himself was murdered in the name of God. And I think every religion has some uh, even minute aspect of God in them because 
I don't think that something could become a religion without basing it around something that is truly divine in the first place. Now, what it's become, I think that uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that has become wrong and so far from the truth. But if you think, um, if you even look back to Buddhism, uh, Buddha never had it right whenever he said absent-mindedness was the true way to happiness. But he did have it right when he said to meditate and focus on one's mind to be truly happy. Uh, Buddhism in and of itself now worship the Buddha as a god. They have two forms of him even, of uh, the one of prayer and fasting and meditation, and they have the one of abundance, the big fat Buddha that a lot of us see in the little gift shops all over, you know, in like the hippie stores and stuff and places like Romancing the Stone and Earthbound. We get the little fat Buddha, and, you know, there's there's more than just the little fat Buddha it means prosperity, but it's just Americans love prosperity so freaking much that we ourselves worship the little fat Buddha. We rub his belly. Yep. Man, I've had I've done that so many times when I was a kid not knowing what I was doing. Someone's like, rub the Buddha's belly. It's supposed to be good luck. And I would do it. I'm like, I don't even know what this means, but whatever. And it's just so funny because it's just it's a joke to us in a way, but it's in a way we worship that very idol. And uh that's another podcast we're going to be doing. It's the Prosperity Gospel, so be looking forward to that one. Uh, but it's just, uh, there's so many things in other religions that they have tapped into a, a realness of God. They've missed it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of ways they've missed it. But there is a realness there. And I feel like even Christians have missed it in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Now, am I trying to go as new agey as saying that all religions... Um, as long as you believe in something, then that's uh, that's just okay and God's smiling. I, I didn't, I'm not saying that. I'm not. But I think a new age Christian, quote unquote, you know, some, throw some air quotes on that, uh, is someone who realizes that you can learn. No matter your circumstance, you can learn. And you're always going to learn a new aspect of God. Yeah, I mean, God is... <laughs> so, something that I love to, to reference... In Revelation, it speaks of four beasts that circle the throne of Christ and have for since their creation and will for an infinite amount of time made completely of eyeballs. Now, let's just not even talk about how creepy that sounds in general, mind you. Sounds like something out of maybe like a Stephen King novel or who knows what. But it's made completely of eyeballs and it is circling the throne room, day and night, proclaiming a new aspect of God that it has never seen before. So if you just think about that, if you got a thousand eyeballs and one of them monsters, and every one of them eyeballs are seeing a new aspect of God, and you got four monsters, that's 4,000 aspects of God every second of every day for the infinite amount of timeless existence that is Christ. That's a lot of aspects of God. That's a lot more. I'm so thankful we only have 66 books because I think God knew whenever he told us these things, there's no possible way you would ever, like you don't get the ones you got. There's no way you're going to get more. And so things like meditation and, and yoga and these, you know, connecting Good practices yourself. practices to find those different aspects. Of God. Absolutely. And connecting yourself with creation, you know, 
Um, I'm well, not saying, like, go ahead. I was just saying, it's like whenever we go hiking in the mountains or even like I got saved at the beach, like, you know, there's just something about nature and being close to nature and knowing like God created this and he created me. I am here in the middle of this. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you think about Moses going up on Mount Sinai. God calls him up on top of Mount Sinai. This storm comes in, you know, the cloud, the 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 the, the veil of of his presence pours into the mountain. And so the way I picture this, I know uh, a lot of like kids books picture this as like God, you know, the sky is opening up and the Lord is like booming voice, like thou shalt not kill. And like lightning finger comes out of the sky and scribes it into the big rock. That's and such a scary. <laughs> that would terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> and Moses comes down glowing and radiant glory. I guess the way I see it is, Moses goes up on this mountain and has a spiritual encounter with the majesty of creation. And he is just blown away. And God gives him these 10 commandments to live by. These God ordained, God, you know, God told Moses, yes. Uh, do I know if it was a booming voice? I got no idea. I'll ask when I get there to heaven and we'll, we'll figure it out. Moses we'll have a great little party figuring all that out. But like, I just could see like the fog and the like the morning fog rolling into this mountain. You're looking out over the top, and it looks as if you're in heaven. And you know you're in the in the in the the sky, the firmament. You're in the the shroud and the and the glory as the clouds move in around the mountaintops, and you just have this spiritual revelation. And God just—it's like the mental barrier of I'm just this thing walking amongst amongst this marble you know, goes away and you realize that you have a connection with some, with a higher power. And then once the door is open, that like divinity just pours out onto, onto Moses. And that's the way I view it personally. I don't necessarily think it's like big muscle dude comes out of the sky with his lightning finger, like Zeus riding down on his white pony, like scribing crap into a rock, you know? And then I think it's such an irony that, all the while down below, Aaron's chilling with all his peeps. And they're like, Aaron, we need something to worship. We're bored. And he's like, okay, give me all your jewelry. We're going to make a golden cow. And Moses come down like, what the heck, dude? You made a freaking golden cow. Like, I don't know. I and don't yeah, know how this And his, his little reaction says, I don't know, Moses. It was just here. I don't know how it got here. And Moses is like, what are you talking about? Gets pissed, throws the rocks down. Got to go back up the mountain, do it all over again. I feel like that happens like... In our society today, like people are just like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I bet Moses and Jesus are chilling up there. Like, Jesus is like, Man, I just had to get away in that garden and just get alone because them folks had no idea what was in my head. And Moses is like, Jesus, I understand. I came down there. There's this golden cow. I got fed up. I was like, What the hell? And left. Bye. <laughs> but all that to say that as a follower of Christ, of course, number one, is is focusing on the aspect of the liberty and the freedom we have and the right standing that we have in the Father as people who have accepted Christ into our lives and and denounced our sin and accepted him as Lord and Savior of our lives. But everyone has something that they can learn from someone else. Everyone can learn about God from someone else because we're all created in his image. The Satanist is created in the image of God. 
and we can learn something from a Satanist. We can learn more about God from a Satanist than we even realize. We can learn about God from a Hindu or a Muslim. We can learn about God from someone who's an ISIS, who's an extremist. We can learn about God from a Southern Baptist or a Pentecostal or a Catholic or maybe even a Mormon. You can learn about God from everyone because we're all created in his image. As long as we filter it through the context of the Bible, then we're always going to be able to focus on him and learn more about him to help spread that gospel to others and to be able to encounter situations where we can relate to others on a deeper level. And one of the cool things that um, how God actually reveals those things is sometimes like it's very blatant, like you can clearly hear his voice and other times it's just like subtleties and it just like just the little things, the little moments, the little whispers in your ear and just, you know, you can just be going through, you don't even have to be meditating. Like you can just be going through daily life and like God whispers something to you and you're like, I never thought about it that way or that's so awesome or I just learned a new aspect of God and like it's never forceful. Yeah. So, to sum up this episode, what is a New Age Christian? Well, in my opinion, a New Age Christian is someone who knows who their Savior is and is willing to learn about Him from everyone they encounter. Someone who wants to show unconditional love and get past all of the judgment and just pour out love on those around them the way Jesus poured out love on the Samaritan woman, the way Jesus poured out love uh, to the 5,000 when he broke bread, the way he poured out love, even so, to Judas, knowing he was going to betray him. And that's what it means. It's, It's not about a title. It's not about some fancy new word. It's not about being too religious or too spiritual. It's about learning from God's creation and connecting with God's creation. Because if you think about it, yes, sin may have caused corruption, but originally this little blue marble we're sitting on and these people around us were all intended to be the spitting image of Christ himself. And every bit of it was created, probably very similar to the heaven that so many of us look forward to. So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Cody, where can our listeners find us? As always, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash the reckless pursuit podcast. Uh, You can find us over at Twitter at twitter.com forward slash underscore TRP podcast. Of course, at our website at The Reckless Pursuit, where you can find all kind of things like show notes, uh, information about us, uh, all kind of stuff like that. And you can email us if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or just want to say hi uh, at mail at com. We have a really cool sponsorship coming up here at the end if you want to give that a listen. For a really awesome company that Elaine and I hold very dear to our hearts. 
And there's a pretty cool offer code there too if you want some pretty cool Christian apparel. And as always, thank you everyone for listening and taking the time out of your day to be a part of our show. Be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon. This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the Word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the Word, but to look good doing it. Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple, you're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit. Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. The sense... The sin, I can't say that word. Sensual? Is that right? Okay, yeah, sensual. The sensual, um, is that the right word? You're looking at me funny. Sensual or sensory? I don't know.